Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today I am delighted to welcome ex-footballer, ex-goalkeeper, reality TV star and son of ex-Manchester United goalkeeper, Joe Seeley. Welcome, mate. I was playing at Charlton. Sheffield Wednesday, Southampton, Southend. I went from being England under 16, under 17 goalkeeper to being the worst goalkeeper in professional football in this country. My best friend says to me, you're, you're famous for two things, Joe. One, you're Les Seedy's son and you're Nicole Seedy's husband. <laughs> <That's> your... <laughs> you, you release your dad's memoirs on days yeah. like this. Did uh, 14 cassette tapes and a, and a paper manuscript and no one knew about it. He said to me, your dad saved my career. And I said to him, I think you made these. And he got for 30 grand. To a story, he would not take it. He wouldn't. He never spoke about it. No, no. And I think because of that, there was mutual respect between them, and they stayed friends forever. But we had some great goals with Shakir Eslob. What a goalie he was! Stephen Bywater come in. What was the moment that cha- changed it? I met my wife. It's the truth. I met my wife, and um, my life changed. My life got better. She wouldn't have it. She gave me something to live for. What a save from Mark Howard. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Today, I am delighted to welcome ex-footballer, ex-goalkeeper, reality TV star and son of ex-Manchester United goalkeeper, Joe Seeley. Welcome, mate. Hello, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I had to check the reality TV bit in there. Why not? Yeah, a lot of people would know through your missus and stuff like that. So we'll we'll allude on to that a bit later on. I'm ready for that. So yeah, as I said, your old man, uh, Man United, uh, European Cup winners, Cup, like uh, obviously played loads and loads of games and that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've lived a little bit in the shadow of it. It must be fair well, enough to say. Well, uh, to be fair, my my best friend says to me, "You're you're famous for two things, Joe. One, you're Les Seedy's son, and you're Nicole Seedy's husband, <laughs> and that's your <laughs> yeah. and that's your life." But yeah, he's a uh, his achievements and his career, especially later on in his career, he didn't go to United till he was thirty two. So later on in his career was a. Uh, it was unexpected, I think. Yep. Uh, and obviously, but he played a lot in his early career for Coventry and Luton and stuff like that. And 15 years. Yeah. And uh, obviously, uh, there's a, a massive thing that Alex Ferguson said about your old man. Do you, can you? Well, he said to me, he said, I've only, I've only met him a couple of times. I was at the races with him uh, two years ago. He said to me, your dad saved my career. And I said to him, I think you made these. 
And that was uh, the conversation we had. And maybe it's true. I don't think, you know, would, would you not have been the same? Would he have got the sack? People say he was going to get the sack. And, um, you know, he didn't. Yeah, because he came in for Jim Layton, who was a stalwart in the, in the Man United team at that time. I mean, it, it was such a surprise, Mark. We lived in Chinkford, which is, what, eight miles from Wembley? Yeah. We never went to the game. No way. No, we never went. Well, I, I, I thought it was for a different reason. I always thought it was because he didn't know that and he couldn't get tickets. But actually, my mum's told me now, since we've done this book, that she didn't want to stress him out or ask him for tickets. But he found out the day before. He only found out the day before that he was yeah, starting. At the hotel. See, the a lot of managers do this sort of stuff because they don't want the build-up and the pressure to mount. And yeah, yeah. I've, he said, when, well, the stuff I've now got, the, the cassette tapes and the, and the original manuscript from it, he, he, he started thinking, I think, in training a couple of days before, he said, because they used to do a bit, he used to do the goalkeeper coaching as well, never the goalkeeper coach. So he was doing the usual stuff they do together. And then he said they'd always do crossing and kicking for Leighton. But two days before, Ferguson said, you do that as well. So he changed the training oh, slightly. Yeah. Okay. And they both said, because Jim, I speak to Jim, and Jim has also said that that's when he first thought, I might not be playing. How did he get on with Jim? I've worked with Jim. Best friends. Were they, yeah. Bandy legs, Jim. Bandy <laughs> Jim. Do you know he works on the oil now, doesn't he? That, yeah, no, he obviously, I was at uh, Aberdeen for a year, and he's my goalie ah, coach. Was he? Yeah, he had uh, really bandy legs. His half yeah. volleys, you could not tell where he's they were going. Yeah, he goes horrible. all over the place. Um, so, yeah, my dad was a bit, you know what football's like, you move clubs, don't you? He never really kept in contact with people. Really only kept in contact with two people. and uh, One was Dave Jones, you know, who become, become a manager. And the other one was Jim Layton. So he'd speak to him most, most Sundays. And I always knew it was Jim because I could hear my dad always say to him, what's it like playing in the pub league this week? What's the <laughs> 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 he went back to Scotland. Um, but yeah, the, he, he was one of the people that carried my dad's coffee. Which oh, people no are always surprised amazing. about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But goalkeepers are like that, aren't they? That's, it. That's exactly what the goalkeeping community is like, isn't it? We, we all hate each other at the time, <laughs> uh, but we all love each other. We've all got each other's back. And yeah. you end up, I've, most of my best friends in football are goalies. Yeah, and I think, I think between them, because like after, the, after the game, my dad got offered a lot of money to talk about it. A lot of money. I mean, in 1990, when he was Man United, Man United too, he was on 50 grand a year. And he got for 30 grand. To do a, do a story, he would not take it. He wouldn't. Didn't never spoke about it. No, right. And I think because of that, there was mutual respect between them, and they stayed friends forever. Right. Uh, th this leads on to the book anyway. Yeah. You, you, you release your dad's memoirs uh, on days yeah. like this. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I released it. Released in May. It's done. It's done extremely well. And the truth is, he did the book in '94 wow. with a guy called Les Clifford, who was my Sunday morning football manager. Did uh, 14 cassette tapes and a, and a paper manuscript, and no one knew about it. I didn't know. And um, in 2014, I bumped into Les, Les Cliffrow, was the, the guy who did it originally. And he said, I've got your dad's book. And I said, he never done a book. I mean, by that point, he'd been dead 12 years, uh, 13 years. And um, he said, come to my house. I went to his house, he gave me a packed lunchbox full of cassette tapes and a, and a manuscript that he'd done on a word processor and said, there it is. And um, when I read it, I thought, this is terrible. <laughs> 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 because it had just been done between the two of them, yep. never gone anywhere. And then it was taken apart by Tim Rich six years later. Uh, it sat in my wardrobe for six years. No six, way. Yeah, six years later. And it took them three years to go through the cassettes and, and redo the manuscript. And that's what you've got here. And they, they blended it with my story after football and yeah. win football because it wasn't, there wasn't enough, actually. He ran me and said, there's only two-thirds of a book here. We need to start interviewing people. So he's like, come around, started interviewing us. Started interviewing me. And he said, oh, we've got to mix it with, with what you've done. So that's how this has come about. Was it emotional for you going back and reliving? I've not listened to the tapes. Have you not? No. no. Could you not do it? You think well, one day you'll have. I to, think I will. Then. I think I will coming up. I think I think I will. Um, 
soon. I've had those tapes nine years now. And when I think about it, and I actually bought because because they're cassette tapes. I was in um, my, my I was watching my son play at Hull like years ago, and I went past an Ox fan, and I thought, oh, there's a cassette tape player. And I went in and bought this cassette tape player for three quid. I've still got the cassette yeah, tape yeah. player, and um, so I've, I've always thought I'm gonna. I just haven't. Yeah, I just haven't. Uh, and he obviously passed away in in 2001 with having a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, and this was a, a really tricky period in your life anyway. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I was saying about the, like, the emotion of like, going back. Is it probably a period in your life that you you don't like looking at? It's a time of my life I, I, I remember bits of and not everything. Yeah. I think I completely had a meltdown and a breakdown, to be honest with you, at the time. But at the time, you don't realise it. Yeah. Um, and now I've got kids who are, who are older than... My kids are older than I was when my dad died. I look at them and I think, don't know how to cope. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I did it really. Yep. Um, yeah, because I got injured. My career ended two weeks, ten days before my dad died. And at the time, I kind of, I did for a few, quite a few years. I blame myself. I thought about it. he's had a heart attack, worrying about me. Yeah. Um, and I don't disbelieve that now. Medically, I know it's not true, but you know, probably played a part in it because he's retired. Um, in the July, yep. June, July, got sacked. He was quite happy about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, he died in August. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously a, a really stressful period. Uh, what was the injury? My shoulder. So I kept dislocating it um, when I was 16. And I had a reconstruction and I was out for a year. Yeah. I, actually, I had a bodysuit that I wore. I'm cut, I'm cut right around my shoulder. And I had a bodysuit. Like Mrs. Datfire, do you remember that film? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wore this suit for like... Seven, eight months, I wasn't allowed to move my arm. When they took it out, I couldn't move it. Yeah. I took the physios and rehab about another eight, nine months to get my movement back, literally. It was agony every day, like stick their, sh- stick their knee in my, in my hand and yeah. just force my arm out. I'm sure you've seen other yeah, people having it Yeah, brutal. Done. And they said, if it ever goes again, you, you're done. You can't keep having this much trauma. Uh, and I was all right for a couple of years. And then just one day in training, the foe come through and I, I come out and I dived. And it was a, it was a yard off me. I should have, it should have been an easy one. It come out, and as I got up, I just put my hand on top of the bowl like you do, pull it in, and my shoulder went pop. Oh. And I thought, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Instantly thought, I'm done. So you like doing, having an operation like that at the yeah. age you were, and a year in a cast then, but you're still growing. This is what people forget, is your bones are still growing. Yeah. So you're trying to repair, but your bones are still growing, and you're still developing physically. Yeah. And that's not catching up with you. No, and I was one of them as well. I, f- I don't know what you're like. If I missed two I weeks... Think- I was like three months off it. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't one of them that picked your timing back up quick yeah. or, or whatever. So that first year I come back, I say at the time, I, I went from being England under 16, under 17 goalkeeper to being the worst goalkeeper in professional football in this country. Yeah. I could not stop the ball going in the net. I, I think we won. I played every other game that season in the, in the, in the old under-19s. I think I won one game. Yeah. Even I was thinking drop me yeah yeah do you know what I mean might have done you a favour so you could start again and rebuild a little bit and then that summer I went away and I come back and I was I, I started feeling better actually just before I got injured the month two months before I started thinking oh, I'm seeing the ball again you know I'm not Picking coming up, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah because it really did take me a long time to get that back I always say this about young goalkeepers especially like any injury or any growth spurt your mm. coordination goes and you're trying to play catch up with that but everyone expects you to be able to maintain the standard you was before, but yeah. your body's not the same. No, and I think that much time out, you know, even your handling, where you used to just like things that you just don't even mechanically work. Yeah. And then you come back from this injury, and my shoulder's not probably sitting right. Yeah. I'm off, it's protecting it. But yeah, without knowing I am, trying yeah. not to. And, you know, 
I was it, I was rubbish. Yeah. It was it took me even I thought I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad saying to me at the end of that year of playing, what have you do you think you've done enough to get another year? I already had a my contract was longer than that, but would you get another contract now? And I went, nah. Yeah. I remember him saying to my mum, told you. Because you know, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, you know, it was where it was at. But that year that year, um, before I got into David James come into the changing and goalkeeping the change was changing at West Ham and that year I did feel I felt back 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 at it, should yeah. I say? Like I'd have half a chance. Not maybe not playing at West Ham, but getting back to where I nearly where I was at. Yeah. What, did you use obviously your old man was probably your inspiration for your own career? Yeah. But you know, like when you see like a David James who's physically would have came in and changed what goalkeepers look like. Yeah. He was. We were. I have two thoughts on David James. He was a nightmare to work with. Yeah. He imagine. wouldn't let us train with him. It was hard work at West Ham. He really was for me. Um, but at the same time, the best goalkeeper, physically, naturally, I've seen. He he was a bad trainer yeah, when I was there. Yeah, yeah. You know, he'd walk in, if the ball weren't kicked right at him, and I don't think, you know, we was all about, my dad especially was all about, you know, training like you play, dive on the ball if you drop it. And J-Mo weren't like that, and we had Chaka and Craig Forrest that before that were. But then he'd do things like kicking, and he'd just drop the ball and go bang, like bang, and like it. Left foot, right foot, and it was the first time I'd seen a goalie like it. Yeah, and this physical size and presence was was great, but I didn't like him in the training ground. I, I didn't like him. I, it is what it is. But you know, you, you would have been what 18, 19, 19. at this point. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you're looking up to the first team goalie, but if you don't ever get to build a relationship with them and they're not letting you train, it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> it is because what what was happening at West Ham at that time? We had Chad Relief and they had Folds and Little Weef, which now the first they've swapped it round. But if you weren't allowed to train with him. You would with the with the reserves or the academy at the other training ground. Now I got hurt at that other training ground. Now maybe at that point there was no groundsman there. We were like it was like a park. Yeah. I'm not saying I would have been all right. I don't think I would have actually, but maybe that day it wouldn't have happened because it was a summer, the ground was hard and my shoulder went. Um but it is what it is. And I you know, what I take from what I took from him was his athleticism was unbelievable. But I always thought of that period and I, and I could be wrong, if he trained like I've seen other people train, I think he would have been best in the world. Yeah. Because he got to where he got to anyway. And I, from what I saw in training, he didn't train that, that well. Okay. Yeah, you know I mean? that, that's, that's the only thing. But um, the rest of our group, we had some great goalies. Shaka, Eslop. What a goalie he was. He was an amazing guy. I still speak to him. You know, um, Craig Forrest. Yeah. Canadian. <laughs> Stephen Bywater will come in. Oh. <laughs> I bet you've got some stories on Bywater. I mean, Bywater... He was a young uh, pup at the time. Yeah, well, so he? he come in. He was 18. I remember the first time I saw him, and he played at Rochdale. He was 18 months, two years older than me. He came in, and I just thought, well, I'm not good enough. <laughs> he was that good. Yeah. I mean, at that point, when he was like 20, Kevin Keegan had him in the England squad, you yeah. know, training with the goalies, and physically, mentally different. You know, maybe in the end, he suffered with that a little bit, I think, in his yeah. career. But at that point, I uh, made amazingly strong character. And then we had people like Bernard Lamar coming for a little while. We won the World Cup That's and mad, I was watching yeah. him and um, all these different goalies. And it, was, it was a great school to be around. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Right. Uh, I want to do some quick fire questions uh, and then we'll lead on. Right. So uh, just some quick fire ones. Catch or parry? I'll catch it. Yeah. You drilled it. into, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Favourite goalie kit colour? Black. Black. Play out from the back or kick it long? See, we're from a different era. Right, kick it long, I was always told. But I, I'll say this now. I play in a thing called Celebrity FC. Yeah. Right. They always want you to play short. And I say to them, right, I'll play short. But if you lose the ball once, I'm never, ever going to pass you the ball again. So, no, but f- if I was playing properly, long. Yeah, right. Favourite ever goalkeeper? Piers Michael. 
Yeah, hands down. No, he's no thinking about that. No, no, hands down, best I, I think ever. But I was around him. So, yep. you know, maybe it was a bit of that as well. But, yeah. you know, I really should say my dad really shouldn't have a bit of that. But it's Michael for me. Right, uh, World Cup or Champions League? World Cup. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Like tea or coffee? Black coffee. Yeah, nice. Right, and then uh, I've got best goalkeeper in the world right now. For me, I like Edison. Yeah, nice. I like everything about him. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying, uh, you know, I know Courtois, you've got Courtois and you've got, you got Alisson as well, but for me, dominates yeah. the box and that's what I want a goalie to do, what he does. Yeah, and the way he distributes the ball is just ridiculous. Phenomenal. Yeah. Is Phenomenal. It, is, uh, have you seen the training clip of him with Brazil where he trains outfield in like the rondos? No, oh, is he brilliant? He's walking around, strolling about, but just passing the ball for fun is and he? no one gets near him. He's just one touch, bouncing it off, two touch around the corner. And like the outfielders are not near him. It's yeah. like they just go. He's, he's well, like, the other thing about him, I know he's playing in that team, but even when he's made a mistake, you don't see weeks of it, do you? No, his you bounce don't. back ability is great. Yep. I think, and it, he'll just crack on again. Yeah, yeah, just goes, and he's physically great. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I like him. Right, and then uh, my last one, I always finish with is last minute of a game, you can score a goal or save a penalty. I'm saving a penalty. Yeah, I don't care about scoring a goal. Oh, I'd love to score. <laughs> yeah. I scored once in the Did U2. You, yeah? yeah, I ran out and kicked it and it went over the other keeper. Windy day? Wind, oh, it was windy. Windy, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was windy. I was about 16. Right, uh, let's go uh, to your early career then. Uh, yeah. Why goalkeeping for you? How did you get started as a goalie? Well, I was, pre- I, I was a centre-back. And about 11 years old, I thought, oh, I can't play, play centre-back. Obviously, my dad was a, a goalie. Um, so I had, I had his, you know, it's a pretty straight answer really, isn't it? But I just liked it. I yeah. liked everything about goalkeeping. And see, from that age then, your dad must have been straight out in the garden, down the park, horrible drills, pendulums galore. I kind of had a conversation. I got a conversation early on which went, do you want to do this? I'll do it. You can either do it like as a kid or you can do it properly. What do you want? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'll do it properly. And from that day onwards, yeah, I got, I got, I got trained. Yeah. But obviously having your, your dad being a Sealy, it's like, that's a different level of training. Yeah, he was hard on us. Yeah, he, um, it was me and my brother. He was, um, he was hard on us. And looking back, you know, I said it in the book, two or three times it was too hard. Yeah, there's two or three times when I thought I don't do this anymore. Yeah. But the other times it was, it was always, it was different. As soon as you finish, I love you, well done, get on with it. But I think what he was doing was, and especially then, and I think football lacks it a little bit now when I talk to young players. It, football's hard. Yeah, football's an horrible industry. Most people don't make it, and you better get used to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's war, isn't it? Yeah, it's just toughening you up, but also conditioning you yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's just, I think all parents go through that stage of coaching their own children of mm. like 
where's the level? And every kid ends up crying at some point. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you as a parent probably know that. Yeah, I do. My little boy plays football at seven years old and I'll speak to him after <laughs> training sessions and games. So what, what about, what do you think you did there? Yeah. And he'll be like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, it's hard because you, you want to encourage, but you also want to improve them. I completely know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, yeah. Looking back, looking back, I appreciate it. I think it's at the time you don't get it. Yeah. Do you yeah. Know I mean, completely. But the training lab was amazing. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and you might never have got as far as you did get. Well, I wouldn't have. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have for fact. It, 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 that's I wasn't a natural goalkeeper, really. I'm not. I'm not. I was never agile. I was more dominant, yeah. and aggressive, a bit like me, a bit. bit trained, played like my dad, but my dad was quite agile. Yeah. When my brother's quite agile, I was more. Like, I'm going to smash you if you come near me. And, yeah. You know, screaming and shouting. That old school mentality. I liked but, that bit of it. But yeah. then that, that must you must have taken that skill from your dad. Oh, a million percent. Because it was always, you better be heard. Yep. You know, my dad was a screamer shout on the pitch and, and you know, make sure they hear you. Yeah. That, that's, that communication side of it come easy to me. Yeah. You know, my brother was a bit more quieter. Okay. And know. then obviously going through, you end up at West Ham's Academy from quite mm. a young age, didn't you? I, I went to West Ham, I didn't go to West Ham until 16. Oh, so okay. I was at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. sat in Southampton. Um, so my dad said to me... Is this because also your dad travelled around? With no. Football? So I was, well, he did. So... No, I played Sunday morning all the way through, and he always said to me, "Look, you ain't signing at clubs." Clubs started approaching me probably about thirteen when I when, when, when I'm forty now. So back then, didn't really start to twelve. Did yeah. it? He didn't like. It. I started getting approached, and he's like, "Nah, you stay. Yeah, you keep signing six week forms, play for this club, that club, and that club. And when you're, when you're sixteen, you'll get a load of offers." And I used to think, oh, "I just want to sign." And I was playing at Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday, Southampton, Southend, West Ham. Um, and I started at 16, I was, I was playing for one of the England goalies, and I started getting decent offers. Decent offers, and it happened. And um, funnily enough, the only club I couldn't go to was Tottenham, because they had Martin Brennan. And he was my neighbour. <laughs> no As a kid, I swear to God. So we, went, we used to go to school together. So I wanted to live at home. And he wanted me to stay on at South End, because he said, like, if you're going to be good enough, play early and get bought. And the only time I didn't listen to him, and I thought, no, I want to sign at West Ham, because I want to live at home. So I signed at West Ham. Yeah. And he won't give me a lift to training. <laughs> it's, yeah. to, it's, take, it's for seven miles from my mum's house, Chabot Leaf. Take me two hours, two trains. Take him for, for 20 minutes in the car. We beep him on the way, on the way, way home. Give you a little wave and everything. Right past me. So yeah. I ain't treating you differently. Because he was the coach. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I sort of appreciate that again now, but I didn't at the time. But that just, got, again, shows how hard it used to be and how they used to toughen you up mentally and how football's evolved since then. And not allowed to do stuff like that anymore. It's... But my, like, the yeah. workplace is different now. Yeah, the workplace is different. Like my son's um, come; f he's twenty-one now, and he went, he's come through the academy system, and he got treated better from fourteen years old than I did when you were in the first team. When I was, you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah. But at the same time, I think they lack something that we got and that experience that we had, yeah. that closeness with the first team. And Chad Wallace at the time only had three changing rooms, and everyone was in the same building. Yeah. And you were in the same room, and you know. It caused problems, but it, it, it made good characters. Well, that's the thing. I think that the way that football has evolved, and like obviously I'm all, I'm all for the young ones now, that their job is to become a professional footballer, so they should have the best opportunities to do that. But mm. like you said, they're missing out on a bit of character, a bit of the foundations of like how hard it was to get there. Yeah. And I think that obviously we all look at the young footballers now and it's a little bit taken for granted that they on too much money is the first thing that people labels with. And the, the, their attitude ain't as good as it used to be. 
Do the young boys train with you at Wrexham? Uh, we've got, group or we've got group? like a five or six group that are like bridging the gap from the youth team to the first team. And then obviously on call down days, they're fully integrated with us. And, okay. and then when it's a full match day squad, like on a Friday, they're not with us. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's always filtered a little bit, but they, they have a lot of interactions that they're in the next dressing room to us and they get invited into our fine meetings and stuff like that. So it's really good that they That's do good. get that integration and they, they get to experience like the actual scenarios that go on a lot. I think they learn as much watching you train as a goalkeeper, a young goalie, as doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's little things you'll do, like a step or, yeah. you know, but move your, your movement that you... Well, can't learn. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big talker anyway in training especially and even if it's Alpha or if I'm trying to help Luke or Liam mm. and even the young ones that have been coming up I, I'm one that will pull them aside and go right can you try and do this look your body type you're only five foot like you need to be quicker along your line and that naturally like a smaller goalie will try and play higher mm. at a young age yeah, but it's yeah. not it's the opposite they should play deeper and play really fast and so that I, I naturally will go up to them and say look you do this don't watch me because I'm different I know how to use my body to my capabilities yeah and like everyone should be their own goalkeeper, but have, I don't know, I always say that you should look at a goalkeeper that's your body type or your abilities and model that. So if you're, if you're small and you model Shea Given or Hugo Lloris, mm. and if you're a big goalie, model, like if you're a six foot seven goalie, just model Fraser Foster, keep the ball out of the net. Yeah, yeah. he does that well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, like yeah. Ball, he? yeah, that's it. But like, you've got to make the most of what you've got in your abilities and mm. play to your strengths. It's good advice, that. That's really good advice. Yeah, but like, I think that, the, the integrations that young ones have now it has changed. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, and I never, I'd try and speak to them, and they, they'd see you as competition. Yeah. They wouldn't help you along the way. Yeah. Where that's totally gone full circle now. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, obviously, coming through at West Ham, then, like you've already spoke about a lot, uh, with your old man being a coach as well. And yeah. Did you just find that the pressure was loads or did you think that you could relax a little bit because you had that safety blanket? No, I felt I found pressure. I was happy when he got sacked. Yeah. I, I remember. I can imagine the feeling. I was. Ludo McCloskey come in and I knew Ludo because he was the, he was a coach before my dad. So yeah. Ludo got sacked, my dad come in. And then when Harry Redknapp went, my dad got sacked. And I remember him telling me and I remember thinking, do you know what? A bit of relief, a bit of that pressure valve, especially that year when I was, when I was playing badly. Yeah released yeah. maybe that's why I was better the year after yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yeah. um, because you could go out and be you without that the family name almost yeah and I felt pressure because I knew I was playing bad yeah do you know what I mean and then people look at you didn't you because your dad's there yeah you know and that that must have happened yeah. you know I weren't too aware of it but it must have and indoor, then you're indoors with it do you know what I mean it it wasn't like that in my ass but you still feel it yeah you know what yeah, I mean no, as a course. kid and obviously you're feeling the pressure if you know you've had a bad session and then like the manager might be pulling your dad to a side and he's not telling you the info. And it goes for it like it's hard, doesn't it? Because you're stuck in that bubble. But that release of, like you said, when he got the sack and you could just go and enjoy it and try and get yourself back to where you should be. Yeah, I felt I felt at the time, it's probably not true, it was like a restart. Yeah. Like another chance and a, and a, and a re-go. Manager was different, coaches were different. Um, you know, if, uh, sadly, I got injured a few months into that, but I did feel better. Yeah. yeah I mean, I played better. Right, uh, obviously quitting football then yeah. from the injury. Yeah. Life must have taken a massive turn. My life fell apart. Yeah. Um, in some ways, my life grew. I've you know, become an agent, but my personal life was... Um, I was a shambles. So I'd go, I went very quickly from... I w when I played football, I only wanted to play football. When I lived right, didn't drink, nothing. I went from that within a year. I'm a drug addict, yeah. alcoholic drug addict. Uh, and it was like that for quite a long time. Is that you didn't get any help? I did. So I tried many things. I think what happened, the truth is this, Mark, that 
I was so depressed and so down about, but but didn't know. Yeah. And one day somebody said, "Try that." When I was at, and I was I was terrified of drugs, and I took it because I was with these people that were in Coronation Street, and I wanted to like fit in. I took it, and do you know what? It made me feel better. Yeah. It took all that. It took all my. It stops you thinking, and it takes everything away. But eventually, it took everything from me. Yeah. It took everything from me, and um, I learned to cope with my life via that, which was a massive mistake that took me probably ten years to unravel. Um, but at the same time, I had this great career and this other stuff. And on, my, on the outside, my life looked great, but inside I was dying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and were you just bottling everything? Yeah, without knowing it, but I didn't know. I was taking a substance that kept me happy. It kept everything inside me, but it had nowhere to go. So eventually it comes out sideways and then you, you, know, you basically have a breakdown, I would say, and then yeah. it's time to sort it out. But it was an horrendous time looking back. But I, I was... I can't even tell you. Like I'm blind. I was blind to it. I didn't know. I thought it was normal. I thought I was things I was doing was normal, and it, it wasn't. Is that just because you were oh, obviously we're going to the passing of your old man? But yeah. the the being away from the day to day of football, you you were so used to a structured life that when you remove yourself from that and you've obviously quit your dream job, yeah. The, the, where do you go? What what is that release? And then you found yours through an addiction, through alcohol, through through drugs and stuff, but. Obviously now there's a lot more with the PFA involved and there's more places that footballers can turn to. Yeah. But at that time there wouldn't have been No, about a couple about a year in I did get, I did go and see the club doctor. And uh, it's in this is in the book actually. I won't name the doctor because I actually like him. But I said to him, I told him what was going on and I said, uh, blame myself for my dad's death. And he said, I can't tell you that ain't true. Now, I was twenty years old at that point. Now looking back as an adult, I'm 40 now, as an adult, I'd think, even if you think it, you lie to me. Yeah. Right, and you try and get me out, but he didn't. He said, I can't say that's not true. So like, from that point on, I got worse. Yeah. Um, and I didn't try and get up again yeah, for yeah. a long time. Um, when you've been burned by a bit of advice. Yeah, because it's what I thought. Yeah. I thought it anyway, and it was killing me. It was killing me. By the end of it, it I was nearly dead, to be honest with you. Uh, it weren't like what you see on films and it's glamorous. I weren't like that. I was sitting in a room by myself for days on end taking drugs and drinking vodka out of a bottle. Yeah. It weren't nice. What, what was the moment that cha changed it for you? I met my wife. It's the truth. I met my wife and um, my life my life changed. My life got better. She wouldn't have it. She gave me something to live for. Yeah. Um, I had things to live for anyway, but I didn't know about it. I didn't get it. You was blind I, to him, yeah. But you're right. I lost my career. And, you know, I think what you do with football, and my dad, my dad was my discipline at home. My mum was, dad was ever since I was 14, but my mum was really soft. So I lost my discipline at home, and I lost my discipline in my life all at once. And I was lost. Yeah. So, I mean, and I was given great stuff after, like Stella gave me a job, the agency. Yeah. My, dad, my dad was one of the founding members of Stella in the football side. He owned part of it. So I was working at Stella, the biggest agency in the world. I did not want to go to work. Yeah. Like, Getting up to go to work was killing me. You know, I could, didn't want to get on the train. I didn't want to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I couldn't, but not that I didn't want to do it. I couldn't do it. Is that also, it must, it's hard for a lot of footballers when they walk away from football but are still involved because that passion and that love of the game to go and watch someone else living that. I hated it. Yeah, yeah. I, can I imagine that's hated it. One. I hated it. And I hated football, even though I worked in it. For ten years, yeah, I hated it. It was just a means to an end. Yeah, not the people, not yeah. not not you as the player, but going to a game, talking to a club, West Ham United. When they went down, I was this is terrible. I was happy. Yeah, so I mean, when they lost the FA Cup final, I was happy because people that were in that team, I I played with, and this is horrendous, really looking back, because you know I'm friends with them, but I 
didn't want anyone to do well. Yeah, that jealousy I that they're still living the dream. Full of hate. I was full of hate and bitterness. Um, but again, I tell you what changed that. My son started playing football, and you start watching your kids play, and you think this is better than anything. Yeah. And he's, he enjoyed watching football. I started watching football again and enjoying it because he was watching it. You can see the fun in it again. Yeah, and it changed my whole mentality towards it, to going back to loving it, you know? And my career got better and lots of changes like that in my life over time was, was the was triggering. And in the end you go, I can't live like this anymore. I have a choice really. I've got to kill myself. I was, slow, I was killing myself slowly is what yeah, I was doing. Yeah. Committing a slow form of suicide. Or I sort it out because yeah. I've got loads to live for. And it ain't easy. Yeah. And it does take time and it takes work. You know, and, and every day now is is that challenge, I suppose. I mean, I'm, I don't think I'll, I'll go back to that. I'm, well, I've got touch wood. <laughs> um, it's been a long time, but you have to work it. Yeah. Like you do have to work at your goalkeeping, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the big message that I, I'm taking from that is that football should always be fun. Uh, even though it's a job, you should still see enjoyment. And the moment that, obviously, you, yours was through an injury or the players get dropped sometimes or anything happens in football. But the moment you stop seeing it as it's fun is when you need to seek help or you need to speak to people because yeah. it took your son to then get you to re-enjoy the game and then you start watching more football and you're back involved in it. So yeah. for all my listeners especially, I want to make sure that they remember no matter what happens along their career from non-league to Sunday league, whatever it is, it's just keep keep enjoying it. Keep enjoying it. And do you know what? It ain't the be all and end all of life. Yeah, yeah. You know, we f you think it is though, don't you? I was, you know, at that age and that's all you've ever done. And you leave school early to do it and your whole family's in it. But actually, there's loads more out there for like, in life. Yeah, right. I've got uh, my light-hearted quiz now. Go on, uh, Right, so it's goalie or no goalie. Oh, dreading this. Uh, I love this game. <laughs> right, so it's uh, one point for each correct answer. Uh, okay. I've got five goalkeepers and five non-goalies. All right. Yeah? Yeah. i get my little scoreboard because I'm rubbish. <laughs> Let me just check which way around I'm going. What's the worst score? Uh, I think we've had a four. Have you? It's not yeah. that bad, though. It's not that bad. Right. So one point for each correct answer. Right. Uh, listeners can head over to YouTube and check our leaderboard out. Right. Ready? Yeah. Goal goalie or no goalie? Number one, Andre Charles. Andre No goalie. He is not a goalkeeper. He is RuPaul Andre Charles. I, I, I heard the name and I knew it was silly. <laughs> uh, I, I literally trawl through like, social media. <laughs> That's a good finding. one. Weird names, and you actually f follow a few drag artists. I was like, Oh, do chop I? Me oh yeah, I do, yeah. Chi Chi, we film with them, we <laughs> film with them, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, Oh, you must know this one, right? Number two, Etrit Berisha, non goalie, is a goalkeeper. Oh, I was gonna say, goalie. it's a young Icelandic goalkeeper who plays in Portugal for Mafra, okay, yeah, so one out of ten. There you go, right? Number three, Elias Olofsson, goalie. Is oh no, that was a young Icelandic goalie. The one before, sorry, is uh, the Albanian and Empoli goalkeeper. I've got them the wrong way around. Okay, this one, uh, yeah, plays in Iceland, right? So, number four, I've got Quasi Goodman, non goalie, non goalkeeper, is not a goalkeeper. It's Flint's rapper. Oh, I'm afraid of him, yeah, <laughs> is that his real name? <laughs> that's his real name, Quasi Goodman. He's a lovely guy. Is he, yeah? He's a lovely guy. Lovely kid, yeah. Again, like I said, I was following, like looking through your socials. I play football see, with him. Do you? Yeah, is that <laughs> how you know him? Yeah, yeah, nice. That's brilliant, that. Uh, right, number five, Matthew Ryan. Oh, goalie. Yeah, you know that one. Former Brighton goalie? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, current Australia goalkeeper. Nice. Nice easy one for you there. That was, one. yeah. Right, number six, Paul Elliott. Goalie. 
He is not a goalie. Is he not? That is actually Paul Chuckle. <laughs> I follow him as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Chuckle from the Chuckle Brothers. Paul Elliott. I thought Paul Elliott. Uh, what, what made you think Paul oh, Chuckle is a goalie? I just thought Paul Elliott. I thought it sounds like a goalie. Sounds like a goalie. Yeah. It's Rob Elliott. Is Rob Elliott, yeah. yeah. Right, number seven, Anthony Morris. No goalie. Is the Luxembourg and Royal Union goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, four. Four. Four out of seven. Come on, come on, Joe. Carry on. Right, number eight, Matthias Masternak. No goalie. You know the name? No. He's not a goalkeeper. He's a cruiserweight boxer. Not one you follow, but you follow a lot of boxers. Our friends with quite a few boxers. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you follow loads of boxers, yeah. to be fair. I and I don't like boxing that much. You're not, no. no. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I thought that's definitely a name that could be a goalie, that. Matthias yeah. Masternak. What a name. Right, number nine, Philip Banks. No goalie. He's not a goalie. He's a rapper, right? He's uh, the dad from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> <laughs> what a show. That must have been your childhood. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. That must have been your... Well, it was definitely my childhood. I that Sister it. Act, Sabrina the Teenage oh, Witch. Oh, Sister Act. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Sister, Sister. Keenan and Kel. Keenan and Kel. Oh, what programmes. The, love the burger. TV used to be so good. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Rugrats, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Recess as well. Cool, I'm, I'm going back a few years now. That was a show, though, that. Right, and number 10, last one, Bart Verbruggen. Goalie. He is a goalie. He's Holland and Brighton goalkeeper. Not bad. Not bad, mate. I'm Se happy with that. Seven out of ten. Well played. I'm Good happy that. with that. Yeah. It's a few random ones thinking, chucked in there. I was thinking I was going to get two. I've, nah. been, I've been worried about it. Have you? Really? Yeah, yeah. Nah, it's a good quiz, isn't it? It's a great quiz. All right. Uh, let's go on to, as I said at the start, then a bit of reality TV. Yeah. Uh, your wife's obviously involved in the Real Housewives of Cheshire. Yeah. Must be quite surreal for you. Do you watch it? Uh, I've watched... Oh, my <laughs> missus watches it. Yeah, I, I've watched it from the background. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit... You know, I like it. Yeah. I like doing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It must be like, obviously, it's, it's a fun release and obviously a lot of it, it must be a lot set up because you're, you're told to go to certain places. You're told to it, go somewhere, but you're not, that's it. The rest of it's real. Like, they say what they want. Yeah. I, I like, like, it's different for the men to the women. The men don't do any of the arguing. Yeah. They do all the fun bit. And I take it. Turning up at an event. Turn up at an event. I'll do anything they want. I'll take my clothes. I don't care. Because what I kind of think is it's fun. Yeah. It's a release. You only live once. And if you don't do it now, you'll regret it. Yeah. And there's good opportunities from it. Yeah. And obviously, it keeps uh, your name in the uh, public eye as well. Yeah. And uh, you've got some, like, like we've already talked about, some great stories and stuff. But yeah. the actual program itself, based on, obviously, wags yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, the, old, the old saying of wives yeah. and girlfriends. And uh, how did your wife get into it? So my wife is very private, like, she ain't like me. She's very <laughs> private. But a few years ago, when Mac Town were in League Two, I was trying to buy it. And I thought, on this particular week, this deal is going to happen. And they'd been asking them to do that show for a few years. And a little bit like your Rex, the Wrexham show, yeah. I thought, if I'm going to get this football club, I need exposure. This club needs exposure. So I was, they, they'd asked her that week. So I said, come on, let's have the meeting with them. My deal's going to happen. My deal fell through because the accounts were wrong. And she was on the show. And that, that is the that is how it come about. Of it, yeah. yeah. But she obviously loves it then. No, she's a bit different to me. Nicole's different to me. Like Nicole owns a railway construction, does her own business, and she employs nearly a thousand people. Oh. It's a big business. She's a clever girl. And I think she kind of it's like a love hate for her. I think it's addictive. And then you don't want to do it, but you do it. And you know, it's different for the women, it's more intense. They might film so when you see 45 minutes an hour on the telly. 
there's probably been 30 hours, 40, 40, 40 hours of 20 hours a week filming for the women for that one 45 minutes. So there's a lot of other stuff going on around yeah. it that you don't see that I have to hear about <laughs> that they ain't showed. Yeah. Um, but again, it, look, it's on in 36 countries that that show. Really? Yeah. yeah. And a million people watch it in England the way. So like you'll be you'll be in Canada or it's on in America or Australia and all these people know you ain't got a clue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's amazing. But like the opportunities that you do get from it, like you said, the publicity side of it, but it boosts your profiles for both of you and even your own businesses have clearly benefited from it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be here. This book probably wouldn't have been yeah. done without that show. You know, there's lots of different things, you know, moments in your life that, that change what you're doing. And I think that's, this is one of them. Yeah, right. Obviously, I just mentioned a little bit about your business career. Yeah. And that. You, you've gone on to do a lot of things since meeting your wife. Yeah. Uh, you've sold a lot of businesses. I you, have, yeah. Yeah. I've been lucky. How did you ever come into these sort of things? How did you get your eye in? Well, one was an eight. My natural one was a sports agency. I mean, I, I, I didn't have, not that like I didn't have a choice. I didn't know what else to do. And yeah. I ended up doing that. In the end, we become one of the largest, especially to his sports marketing. And I did people like Floyd Mayweather and the Klitschko's and, and you know, 100 players and a lot of shirt deals. Yeah. Um, that got sold. The next one, I did gyms. Um, I had some friends that worked in gyms and I thought we could do this better. And now I own part of Mr. Whippy. You know the, um, the ice cream The ice brand. cream, yeah. No so way. recently we've just taken, me and another friend of mine have taken two thirds of the trademark for Mr. Whippy, which yeah. we're now going to be putting into... Not ice cream products, so like we've got cupcakes coming out in supermarkets soon and milkshakes and yeah. different other types of products with that brand on. So that's what we're doing. Mr. Whippy doesn't actually make ice cream. No way. Never made it. Made it one year in 1958 and never made it again. Everyone associates it with yeah, you ice do, cream. Yeah, you, you call it Mr. Whippy. There's no brand. There, no are, there is no product. Um, there never has been. They made it in 1958. Loads of ice cream men copied it and they never made it again. And it's never made anything since. No way. It's just a just a name. It's a bit like WD forty. <laughs> <laughs> so we're taking it and putting it into other brands. We um, do that. I've got electrical businesses, uh, recruitment. Um, I would, we would look at anything. I say like now me me and her and me and I've got another another guy called Phil. I call him my daytime wife. <laughs> um, run a type of business like Dragons Den where you can come to us with some sort of idea or, or existing business and we'll look at it yeah. and invest into it. Yeah, but obviously you've got a, a real passion then since you've like got since quitting football and yeah. obviously the, the ten years that you talk about, but then now that you've found your business life, yeah. you must absolutely be loving it. I love that part of it. I like sales. Yeah. The people around me are not like me, so it works well. They like doing the spreadsheets. I don't want to see a spreadsheet. I don't want an email. I've got, a, I hate emails, but you have to deal with it, don't you? But I hate that. I'd rather people ring me and I'd rather sell to them. And that's what I specialise in, really. And I'm really good at network. So probably every person I've ever met, I might not remember a lot about it, but I remember what they do. And I don't mind ringing anyone about anything. So no matter who you are, I will ring you and ask you. If I yeah. Like I ring you and say, yeah, can yeah. I do this book? I will do that across anyone. It, it could be Donald Trump and I will ring you if I know you and say, I need a favour. And I think that's where my skill lies. Yeah. Do you think that's a mentality you picked up in football, though? Yeah. Of just being able to talk to... You can walk into a dressing room of 30 other players and you can talk to them, can't you? I'm good like that. I'm yeah. good in groups. I'm good at knowing what people want. And also, I think that when you start being an agent and you've got to stand on the sideline at 20 and look down the line and pick a kid and try and get their parents, you've got to be able to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think over time, that fear of that goes. And then, I, you know, you learn that what's the worst that happens? Someone says no. Yeah. And so what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody else will say yes. Um but yeah, I think that comes from foot. I think that, you know, having to sing in front of people and all that stuff we used to do, strip off and dive in a puddle. 
it can't be bad for you. No, exactly. Like, like, I and mean, that's the character that we're talking about before, about the young ones now. Mm. We're not exposed to that, but it it brings you into real life. And obviously, as a footballer, even myself, that like life after football, you've got to have a second career planned. So <laughs> myself, I'm, I'm doing it through my podcast. I've got a few other things going on, but a lot of people don't realise that footballers can't go on forever. And yeah. when they stop, that there isn't nothing and they have to take their own initiative. So like I've done my own degree in journalism. Yeah. Like I want to go down that route, uh, obviously using this as a big vessel of mine. But like there isn't as much help as people like to think there is and say there is. So like we get help with uh, a bit of funding from the PFA and, yeah. and we got suggested courses. But it's up to the person themselves to actually go out there and do it. And like you just going out and, and picking up businesses and starting them again, like Mr. Whippy and stuff like yeah. that. Doing like sorting out the book, and it, it's your time, your effort, and no one actually tells you to do it along the way. No, and that's I think the difference between being employed and being an entrepreneur. Because when you start, that might take me a year. I ain't getting paid. It's costing yep. me money. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's that side of it. And like what you've what you've done, I think is really smart because I think there's a massive hole in the media of goalkeeping on telly, um, especially analysis. Yeah. I mean, Rob Green did it for a little while and it sort of disappeared. But you watch Gary Neville talk about. Someone, and I think, or Roy Keane, and I think, what's he talking about? Yeah, right, but even um, now, you watch every match now, there's a referee sat in the studio. Yeah. Why is there not a goalkeeper? I don't know. And I really think that it's a massive Owen Telly. I think you could do a, you could do a 30 minute match of the day type program every week about goalkeeping. Yeah, yeah. Just with, breaking with down saves, mistakes, everything like they that. They do it with the golf channels, yeah, don't they? they? Do, yeah. You know, and goalkeeping is a, it's not a different sport, it's in football, but it is different. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the, and the analysis of footwork, positioning, angles, there's a lot goes into that, yep. and if you can if you can knock down that wall, I would I would say you're onto something there. Yep. But I yeah I think it's it's having that mindset that well one I don't want to work for somebody else. I didn't like it. I worked for Stella. I didn't like it. And yep. There's nothing wrong with that. I just I didn't like being told what to do. Yeah. Um, and when you work for yourself and you see something work, you don't mind working longer. Yeah. Because you're getting the benefit. Yeah, yeah. Right. And what what's next for you then? Well, Mr. Whip is the the the, the thing on at the moment. Um, we've just signed a a documentary deal on the book. So there's a doc film um, attempted to be made. We had a few offers. We, we finally signed one this week. So that'll be kicking off. Whether or not that gets picked up, I don't know. But that's, that'll be a bit of a focus for that. Um, I've got a potential of another book coming out in the menopause department with my wife at the <laughs> moment. I've just been offered. So stuff like that, you know, a bit more, bit more media. Um, I think going forward, we'll start filming again in January. And then, and then see what else comes up. I, I'm open to my, I'm one of those, I'm fluid. I am happy to move with whatever comes up because you never know what opportunities have got. And if you say no, or you keep the door shut because you're doing something, you don't know what you're missing. Yeah. What about yeah. getting back into football? Right, this is funny. So I'm playing, I'm playing, um, <laughs> I'm playing Celebrity FC sometimes, but I, ever, I hurt my knee, done my cruise shirt last year and I missed it. But I've got an idea. Right, you could help me with this, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could physically do it. I was thinking that a really good channel or something would be, can I get back playing non-league or semi-pro or professional football yeah. at 40 after 20 years out? Wow. But I'd need somewhere to train, wouldn't I? And yeah. like to do it, pro I mean, do it properly, properly, yeah, properly. Yeah. Um, could I do it at 40? I've been thinking about this, uh, what I've been thinking about last month. So I was enough trying to get a game at 37 myself, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I don't say I want to play. <laughs> but could, could, I get, could I get signed at like the ninth, the ninth tier? I don't see why not if you can get, if fit, get fit enough. Yeah, and that, that's the biggest thing is obviously you've got to reprove yourself in a game that's evolved. Yeah. Uh, and the skills of, uh, like I've had to adapt over the last 20 years of being a pro. So yeah. to try and take 
20 years out of the game to then try and adapt uh, is a different way big, of doing it. It'd be a good show, though, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be amazing. Do you want to make it with me? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'll do some coaching with you. There you go. But like, it's, it's like saying, I've never played golf before. Can I turn pro? Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. Very hard. Oh, I don't think I'm getting into League Two as number three. No, no, I don't think that. But I'm thinking, can I play for like, I don't know, the dog and duck in tier nine? Do you know what I mean? Can I get back to being fit enough to, and I'm 40. To compete Um, for a a spot? Yeah, because I watch some of the games I play in. I watch some, some, it makes me laugh sometimes. I watch some of it back and I think I got near that. I played a game West Ham Vets versus Coventry, right? Because of the uh, Youth Cup final we won in 99 replay. McShiffrey come through and kicked one in the top corner, right, in the second half of this game. And I thought, I got near that. I watched the tape back. I'm about tw- two centimetres off the deck. I'm thinking I'm mid-air, you know, no flying. Yeah, yeah. And then when I watched it back, I thought, I'm yeah. nowhere near it. I-, I think physically that would be the hardest thing. I think you'd find your hands quite well. You'd read the game well. But as soon as it came to throwing yourself on the floor and th- the spring aspect. Speed. Yeah, sp- uh, mm. the agility. I don't think that comes back. I think that just deteriorates over time. <laughs> That's the thing that I, I think you can do as much weights and box jumps as you yeah. want, but in plyometrics, yeah. I just don't know if you'd ever get that dynamic like snap to jump. That's what I wonder. Yeah, I've just been wondering it. But you know, you know, apart from that, I do look after. I, I do look after a couple of other players again now. Yeah, it's something I don't really want to get too involved in again. Yeah, because I don't want the phone. It, it consume. It's consuming if you do it properly. But I've got a couple of good young ones. Just that, doing it as a hobby almost. No, like I kind of no, not a hobby, but like they're people that. I knew their parents and they played with my son and, and they were getting really bad advice. You know, when you're listening to it on the sideline, I thought, what are, you, what are these people talking to you about? Yeah. Like, just play football. They're yeah, like 16 yeah. years old. Now they're 21, you know, they're coming through. Um, so I just look, sort of look after them. I don't really want to add to it. If somebody asks me for a favour, I'll help them, but I don't want to have to do that day-to-day phone, yeah. phone calls. I thought you were going to say you wanted to buy a club anyway. Well, we do. So, you know, <laughs> saying that, we've looked at, Macclesfield I really went for I mean I went for it every for six months I went at him in the press and all sorts just to get get the club and then we've looked at a few others I've I've, I've looked at I'll, be, I'll tell you Trip. I've looked at Rochdale I've looked at Berry. Yep. the new Berry. Yep. Um, and nothing's nothing's quite fitted right some of it is the is the club dynamic and how it's set up like Berry, you can't own it so then you think why am I why am I doing it and then it's you're looking at got to go. I, ain't, I don't want to just do it for ego. I want you want to do it to create a football club and build a club. Yeah. Um, Rochdale weren't right, but I think Macclesfield was the one. It's just a shame that it, it, it what happened happened. Yeah. Um, but I I wouldn't shut the door on that. It's something we're both me and my wife are both interested in. It's just got to be the right club with the right structure. Yeah. Obviously the location as well because you don't want to be pulled apart as a family again. You, you've experienced that before and. Uh, you've have to you've alluded to it a lot that you, you you've got big strong family ties with your missus and your kids and, yeah, that, yeah. and it changes your life. I think well one of the clubs I come for a while ago was Northampton, and I didn't even go and have a look because I thought, am I going to want to move? Yeah. And the answer is no. Scunthorpe was another one. Yep. Spent quite a lot of time looking at Scunthorpe. Yep. Well, two things at Scunthorpe I actually thought, how do you get people to go to Scunthorpe? Sponsors, brands, any you know even the people there they're not they weren't going yep. even when I was in League One. And um, and do I want to move closer to Scotland? No, I don't. So you know there is a little bit of balance of that. And for a couple of years, I re- it was something I really wanted. And I was thinking about it this morning coming in. And I thought, do I still want to do it? Yes, but again, it would have to fit into my life and be the right thing. Yeah. Um, and the right club. And you know, I think my main focus on that would be youth. Yeah. You know, developing youth to come through the club because most of these clubs are community clubs, really, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Like, yeah. Locally driven. Yeah. Your club's different. You get ten. Do you get ten thousand a week? Or something? Yeah, every week. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is ridiculous. So 
last year we averaged 10,000. If, if we had uh, the next stand built, we'd get 15,000. They, they, really? There's an endless supply of fan base. Are they loud as well? Oh, unbelievable. Our fan base is incredible. And like you, you do feel massive support from behind the goal. Uh, yeah. The family stand down. The side. Like Honestly, it's massive now. And you, when you're at home, it is a fortress because they help you. They actually help you because teams don't like coming to us now because there's a double-edged sword aspect. They want to come and upset the documentary, yeah. but they don't want to come and play because we're a big physical team that we've got a really good record at home and our fans are class. So it, there's a lot of nerves that come, but there's also that one player in every opposition thinks, I'm going to spoil that TV well, it's show. It's their FA Cup final, isn't it? Exactly, every week, yeah. Because you are exposed, aren't you? It's, it's, that show gives you exposure, good and bad, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, lucky enough, we've been on uh, the right end of quite a few results I, lately. And I'll tell you something, actually, a little while ago, you know, Balatan? Yes. Smallest club in Wales. Yeah. In the, that, I, I got asked to get involved in that, to do a different show, but they wanted it to go against, like, a we're a real Welsh team type, yeah. type of show. Yeah, like did, a tongue-in-cheek. T- exactly that. I don't know if you've ever gone to there. <laughs> I've there. not. I don't think I've been to that. <laughs> it's only 2,000 people lived there. No, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an AstroTurf pitch. It's, it look, it's very similar to a school pitch with like no stand around it. And yeah. they're, playing, look, they're playing Champions League, don't they? They've oh, got Champions right. League a little while um, Yeah, it was interesting, but I didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't do it. Right. Uh, I always finish on uh, what does the goalkeepers' union mean to you? Goalkeepers' union means to me close knit group of, of men that never let you down. You can always put the phone up to them. And always there for you. Yeah. All right. Okay. And uh, one last thing. Plug the book, mate. Yes, Where can we get it? On days like these, you can buy this in all good bookstores. You can buy it on Amazon. Hopefully, it's going to win Book of the Year this week on William Hill. So, yeah. Go and buy it. Search it. You can buy it everywhere. Thanks a lot, right, Joe. Uh, this has been another great episode, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. I apologise for my tardiness today. That couldn't have been helped. No problem. Thank you for having me. Appreciate this has been the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard, and Joe Seeley. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Uh, can I say a massive thank you to our sponsors, Mito Red Light Therapy and Forge Stout. Uh, they really do help us grow each week as a show. Uh, and make sure you give us a, a subscribe and a five-star rating. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Bye. What a save from Mark Howard. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.